Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Capes and Crooks, a superhero RPG utilizing core 5th edition rules with a unique twist. Take on the role of your own superhero or villain. Completely customizable origins, powers, and enhancements. Utilize advanced technology to aid in your mission. Join us in Cobalt City and the ultramodern world of Terra. Dive into the political intrigue and chaos of a world still adjusting to superpowered citizens. In a world where what is right and what is the law often conflict, how will you choose to use your powers and conceal your identity? Capes and Crooks is a complete RPG game with everything you need to create a super experience sure to delight your players. It includes over 300 pages of content with full color illustrations. There will always be good and evil, light and dark. There will always be Capes and Crooks. Now live on Kickstarter. Please become a backer today and share with your friends. heroes to the crit academy i am your host justin i'm your co-host austin and i'm your co-host ian we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring you on your next adventure <laughs> we want to thank you guys for joining us here today at crit academy studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter yep that's right your roles are like a spell with no alternative uses yeah that, that's usually just lack of imagination i think yeah but, i think that's uh, just uh <laughs> Although I think it goes hand in hand with player and DM, because the player's like, well, oh, I could sure. use it like this, and DM has to be like, I guess I could allow it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, So I'm really excited for today's show. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the top five alternative ways to use Dungeons Dragon spells. There are th- hundreds and hundreds of spells. Uh, we've narrowed our list uh, down to just a few. It is worth noting that we did take inspiration from the... um project or the article from cbr.com so you can find the link in the show notes at critacademy.com slash post slash episode 223 we're going to give our own thoughts on how these work and see if we agree and plus we have a honorable mention section of our own our own ideas Um, but before all that i want to take a moment to let you all know our next kickstarter launches on tuesday june 29th Yay! Woo-hoo! Capes and Crooks. 
a fifth edition superhero RPG. It utilizes the core rules of the world's greatest role-playing game, and we add our own unique twist. You'll be able to take on the role of a superhero, or villain if you prefer, and completely customize your character with unique origins, roles, powers, and alter egos. Additionally, we've done away with the subclass system. Woo! In favor of an a la carte pick-your-own-powers concept. And best of all, your at-will powers evolve as your character gets stronger. It is so exciting. (laughs) It's pretty Um, awesome. We've spent the weekend pushing out for press kits and promo stuff, so we've been getting a lot of good feedback, so I'm really excited for how this is going. If you're interested in following along, please head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Capes and Crooks for more information. You can also get notified when we go live. If you are planning on supporting the Kickstarter, please consider um, dropping a, a dollar or whatever it is the day it launches because the algorithms care more about number of backers in that first 24, 48 hours than va- value, right? Um, so even if you just back for a dollar and plan to add more later, that's great. Um, I also want to give a quick uh, once over to let everyone know that our uh, Memorial Monsters, all b- our books have been shipped to our um our backers from our last kickstarter and that'll be going live on 618 as well so mm-hmm. um we're really excited for this so um i think uh that'll do it before we move on to our main topic we like to start off every episode by giving away fat loots to our wonderful audience as always because giving away fat loots is amazing but for right now, our RPG Fat Loot giveaway is God Dream from DM Conclave. Now, this one actually sounds pretty interesting to me because it talks about a person that you might have heard, but maybe you don't have an idea of what they really are, what they do. So, Ao, or Ao, uh, depends on your interpretation, on how you say it. The Overgod, the Hidden Slumbers, and the worlds are turned asunder. Within the God Dream, the players have to travel to the Overgod's body, mind, and soul demiplanes, respectively, and find a way to awaken it from its slumber. Should they succeed in their endeavors... Is it Ao? I don't know. (laughs) It was the first time you said it, so yes. (laughs) Ao. (laughs) Will be awakened, and a new timeline will be created, as it has been done time and time again. Well, the heroes managed to save all of creation from falling into oblivion. This sounds like a high-level campaign. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our winner today is Loy Jeff, nineteen ninety-four. Congratulations! <laughs> but don't worry if you didn't win. You can always head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe. Your chance to win—it's free. It's easy. Yes. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. And as I've said before, our items or our giveaways are re uh, are re- revolving right now. So um, you mm-hmm. have the chance to win multiple different things. So awesome. Yeah. Now on to the main topic. While everyone is here, we're going to be talking the top five alternative ways to use Dungeons and Dragons and spells. Now, let's be honest. There are a lot of spells in D&D. And this is only an opinion. So you may or may not agree with it, but we're going to give you this list anyway. I'll go first. Our number five is an easy meal with the sleep spell. Yep. 
When adventuring the wilderness, uh, in the wilderness, the characters have to eat, though I do realize that some people don't actually deal with this. But if you're more of the post-apocalyptic, great, this will fit perfectly. Sometimes this means they have to go out hunting or fishing, you know, etc. In any case, it can take a bit of time and effort to do so. You risk running into stray monsters, bandits, falling into a, a, a death trap that was designed for a thousand years ago and you just happen to find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there's an easy way to get rid of that and to reduce the amount of time and effort it takes. The interesting thing about the sleep spell is that there isn't a save. It just works, right? Because yeah. it affects a certain number of creatures within an area based on hit points. Well, casting sleep on a tree filled with critters or a lake full of fish, they will instantly just fall asleep. Fish will probably float up to the surface of the water. Critters in the trees will probably fall down. Your characters will never go hungry again, and you'll take all that joy of hunting from the ranger um, out of their out of their sail. So, um, <laughs> what do you guys think about this? Useful if you don't have a ranger in the party. Leave it at that. <laughs> I think because, like, I've always kind of like known the sleep spell existed. I just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's just kind of there. Like, it, it's definitely like a spell. You kind of look at it at first glance, you're like, I could never see this being used because the, you know, you have to, it's the, the hit points, right? It's, right? You have to roll for it. So, there's a chance you can get a really low roll. But... Exactly. But when it comes to, like, you know, critters and stuff, like, they usually have, like, one, maybe five HP, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, this is definitely like a, oh, I never really thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense. No. I could point in the sky and make a bunch of birds fall. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see people using this to piss off their people uh, uh, <laughs> at the table um, who enjoy this sort of thing. It is worth noting that the the sleeping and or the eating and the uh, the the food is something that gets overlooked mm-hmm. a lot um, for a variety of of different reasons. In some cases, it's just cumbersome. But if you're really running one of those those uh, post apocalyptic survival style you know, games, this will knock the, the, knock your dungeon master on their ass. <laughs> something that has sent only big things at you. <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah, you, you cast sleep and nothing rises to the surface and you see just like triple humps appearing out of the water. <laughs> Something's beat you there. So oh, that's, a, that's a pretty simple one. But once again, I think it was uh, very cool. Ian, yeah, yeah. you, you want to take number four? Safety net. The web spell. Obviously, at low levels, spell slots and no spells are kind of precious commodities. That means we can have spellcasters do things really hard about what you want. Featherfall is definitely pretty useful, especially since uh, it can keep you alive when you fall down. It can turn a deadly drop into a slow fall and a mind blink visit, but sometimes it got compromised. The web spell, spell can be uh, useful in that regard. If a creature is concerned about the party falling to a horrible cavern of death, you can use the web spell to create a safety net, or even a bridge in general to protect the group cr- crossing. Yeah, it could leave you in a sticky situation, but better than falling to your death. And there's a lot more for Stell than Featherfall. Yes. Oh my god, yes. Go ahead, Austin. Does Featherfall only affect creatures? Uh, I believe I so, right? don't know. Because if it could affect, like, buildings and stuff, maybe? That could be kind of cool. But beyond that, yeah, for sure. Like, creatures. <laughs> just creatures? So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, 
it, it's worth noting that Featherfall does affect up to five falling creatures, and it just slows them, so there can be some uh, give there. But as Ian mentioned, at low levels, those spell slots are precious. You know, the number of spells you know when you're limited, you got to really pick and choose what it is you're going to use. So mm-hmm. in this case, keeping a, uh, you're keeping a web instead of a Featherfall for that one... Per- chance of of dying from falling to death this gives you a a great alternative what i also like about this is as a player you can use this to create your own like spider rope bridge um across a a big gap or um between buildings or or maybe you use it to block an exit so that uh um the enemies you know can't go a certain way so there's a lot the the web spell is just far more versatile and can still do the same thing that Featherfall does, depending on how far you're falling. Yes. It is worth noting that uh, the web is an action, not a reaction like Featherfall. Yep. Um, yeah. So if you have uh, um, if you fall a shorter distance, you're probably not going to be able. Your DM may not let you use that action as a reaction. Yeah. Falling ten feet, I'm not, I probably wouldn't let somebody you know do that, but. I think for Raw, an action is pretty quick enough that falling from a high height shouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it's also worth mentioning, too, that you need uh, something to anchor web onto as well. Yeah. Yes, like, yeah, that's that's that. definitely a big, big, big uh, sticking point. <laughs> Just something to uh, keep in mind. I really liked it. I thought this was a really nice one, and it can be more versatile. The, br- the bridge idea just is awesome, too. Yeah, so. that's a very good use of it. I like that a lot. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Austin, would you like to tell us about number three? Sure. Slippery when wet. Defog the windows. Create or destroy water. Always a good one. Create or destroy water is generally just used to ensure that the party has drinking water. In most cases. Uh, While there are some other limited uses, uh, the fact the spell can be used to destroy fog in a 30-foot cube is no laughing matter. It's safe to assume this applies to things like cloud kill and other fog-like features in spells. It's worth noting that it has a range of 30 feet. This gives it a bit more versatility. If your characters are crossing a ledge or small beam that are and are being pursued, you can use Create Water to make it slick. This makes it significantly more difficult for a chasing enemy to cross the same as easy as you did. Uh, I could definitely see, like, you know, make the bridge wet and also just electrocute the bridge now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Or um, just even, I like the idea that you can like destroy the fog because fog is mainly like water vapor, isn't it? So I guess that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And the fact that it can uh, um, expand to other more potent things like cloud kill mm-hmm. makes it actually pretty versatile. And, you know, I mean, obviously fog already sucks because you can't see. Um, and that can be a, a real simple way to overcome the, the visual impairment. Um, or poisonous gas clouds, or, mm-hmm. or can you think of any other uh, uh, spells that might uh, be affected by the uh, the the defogging of uh, the creator destroy water power? Well, apparently, according to Jimmy Crawford, not water elementals. <laughs> well, that's a shame. <laughs> creator destroy water elementals. That's awesome, but unfortunately, it does not work. <laughs> nope. Um, it's like it is a but, creature, not a. Not Source water. Of water. Yeah. What about like acid sprays and stuff like that, like poison liquids? I could see an argument working for that. 
I, I guess you could as a, dilute a it at worst, right? So you can like yeah. make it a lot less potent. But at best, you could just make it so it's just the raw poisonous material and not even like a liquidy poisonous material. I don't know. Yeah, fun thought. fact: the human body contains fourteen gallons of water on average. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, it has already been ruled that you can, in fact, not target somebody's blood. But nice yep. try. Yep. Oh, I know. This is, like I said, just fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Okay. Overall, this is a pretty surprising use for this. Um, uh, honestly, I've never taken Create or Destroy Water, um, because I always thought it was kind of worthless. Um, but... This Some gives cases it, a, it can uh, be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, making it rain in a place is kind of nice, but, uh... No, I don't know. That was definitely a, a use I wasn't expecting, especially when the enemies are training, chasing you and using it to, to make areas a little slicker. Now, I don't want to confuse it with, like, the grease spell that forced them to make a deck stave, but I can right. totally see using it to impose disadvantage when they're crawling across a tightrope or uh, a tiny little ledge that uh, the player's characters just ran across. So I could see that. I could see an argument, depending. Yeah. Right. Especially Alrighty. if there's enough water, it will, <laughs> it it should do something ideally, but again, that's up to the DM as well, right? That's kind of yeah. like the big thing. I think a lot of these these uses depends on DM fiat in some regards. Well, technically, the ones that are in the that we've talked about that are actually in our notes fall within raw. I, um, I did say in some our regards. additional comments definitely would fall under some DM fiat. Uh, and but that's the point of the DM, right? The book isn't designed to cover every rule. So yeah. uh, number two, we're going to talk about the architect. Holy crap! Wall of stone, uh-huh. blocking a passage or blocking the exit of a room with a conjured wall of stone is nice. Let's be honest. Sometimes pulling that uh, Edward Elric Full Metal Alchemist, you know, wall out of nowhere is just fantastic. But what about using it in your downtime to build homes? bridges and other structures when you're not fighting the scourges of evil think about it with wall of stone if the caster manages to maintain concentration for only 10 minutes the object becomes permanent this can allow for lots of fun diy projects around your town or city holy crap i didn't know this and it, it blew my mind when i was reading through the spell what do you guys think against I would imagine that quite a few dwarves are fans of this. <laughs> <laughs> I would it, imagine. It is worth noting that it is a fifth level spell, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, still, after ten minutes, it's there. It's permanent. You can make monuments out of this stuff. <laughs> well, and it makes me want to rethink the way the world is built and functions because if there are casters that have access to this, um. Can you imagine that your group, so your 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 kingdom is under attack, and your no, local noble just found out that there's a sea, city under siege in the east. So he sends all of um, these stone workers and spellcasters to build a wall that wasn't there before, and just in o- over like a period of like a week, an entire uh, six inch stone wall is now blocking an army's path, and. That totally can change the way um, re- different kingdoms do battle when mm-hmm. those can just spring up out of in, out of nowhere and stay there. Yep. I also think that it could be nice as a DM to include little things like this 
um, in kind of the background, because we've all been in towns that are been dis- being destroyed and having watching somebody walk up and, you know, channeling this energy and creating a stone wall that now is resupporting a structure that otherwise mm. would have would have caved in and fallen. I see a lot of. Uh... Yeah, there, there's a lot of like overworld stuff or like setting stuff you can do with this for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, is this something you had ever thought of as a player? I think I have once or twice, but I was playing a Forge Domain cleric, and we were getting ready for a siege, so it was definitely on brand at the time. Right, right. I didn't know that so. it stayed permanent afterwards. Neither did that I. Was the the thing that got me. Yeah, I did not know that. Because after and... like knowing that, kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm immediately wanting to play a Toph character now. That this is like all they do. They just go around like at night. They just create a stone stone little building and it just stays there and so then somebody else ends up living them as, as like uh, recycling them as, as your adventure is wandering through the the deadly forests <laughs> yep. so all right ian would you like to tell us about number one put powerful enemies to rest uh, we got to touch on that earlier but the sleep spell doesn't get a lot of attention and we can do better like by the time a creature is at low enough health to, to fall back into sleep it's easier usually to just kill it However, if the party is on a quest to capture a target, or they just want an easier battle, combine Polymorph with Sleep. Polymorph can turn a big, powerful monster into a squirrel, or a snail, or something, with only a handful of hit points. Sleep only lasts a minute, so that, that snail would be locked up, buried alive, or tossed to a bag of holding, or whatever. <laughs> buried alive. Yeah, we totally oh, did this to a dragon at one point in one game I played, so yeah. <laughs> I This is one of those things that... If I didn't know about it going into the game and a player did it, I would have to give them a standing ovation because there are a lot of monsters with legendary resistance, Mm -hmm. but guess what? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like if the, if the, um, if the polymorph hits, it's over, it's over. Because there's no role to save them from the sleep. Now, you could extinguish several uh, uh, legendary reactions on, like, Polymorph, for instance. Mm-hmm. But that is just, I mean, that's a two-part combo that really only requires you to succeed on one thing. And yep. then it instantly applies. And that can totally bring the, the big bad down to their knees. Not to mention, there are a lot of strong monsters that don't have legendary resistance and can't automatically succeed. Yeah. So this makes this just, uh, uh... The idea of just tossing into a bag of holding is crazy. It's just, it's just, it's gone. And then it's literally gone forever. You will yep. never have to think about it again. Well, not quite true. You they die, the, don't uh, they? Because, we learned, because uh, when they, with a polymorph, when they lose all their health, they revert back to their normal form. In our case, they had like a huge dragon inside a bag of holding, which was bigger than the space inside. So, no more bag of holding. That's <laughs> <It> exploded. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but anyways, it definitely is a, 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 a an amazing way to over... I mean, I just cannot imagine... Um, I just can't imagine how defeated a dungeon master would be if the <laughs> players did this. Like, just like that was... Do you have any idea how much time I spent building him? <laughs> how much story I have? 16 pages of... <laughs> I'm just going to leave him in a chest in the back. 
Yeah, he'll be there for a minute. Uh, all right, so that does it for our top five uh, alternative ways to use Dungeon Dragon spells. We do have some really cool honorable mentions yeah. that I think are are, are, are are worth touching on. Um, I know, Austin, you talked about uh, one in particular. Do you want to touch on that? Uh, yeah, so banishment. Uh, it's a button that says, I'm out of here, <laughs> pretty much, but... <laughs> Banishment is usually used to prevent an enemy from joining combat by locking them in a demiplane. Yeah, I'm, if, it's pretty popular at our table because, I mean, literally just looking at a person and snapping your fingers and they're gone for a minute, pretty potent. Uh, especially for I'm what, it, I think it's a third level spell. It's pretty, pretty low level, I think, right? Relatively. Yeah. I think fourth. It might be fourth. I think you're right. But the point but anyways. is, uh, you do that, but if a player... Uh, character ever finds themselves in a terrible situation on another plane, you know, like the planes of existence we talked about last episode, uh, you can use this spell kind of like, you know, a pair of ruby red slippers and send yourself back to the material plane. You can just, I'm out. I'm leaving. And since it's your own spell, you can succeed at your own spell. (laughs) And this is something that would never have occurred to me when they were in uh, Avernus. And they were on this other plane of existence. And if they were in such a bad situation, how many, two of you were paladins, right? Yeah. You totally could have saved everybody from certain death just by saying, um, hey, do you want to go back to the material plane? Yep. Boop. You're back. Like, think about all the trouble. Think about all the trouble you guys went to to get back. Uh, to try to get back, and then you could have just used one of your own spells to do it. Like, well, that just is mind-blowing, isn't I, it? I don't think paladins get actually access to banishment, do they? Yeah, they do. Do they? According to D&D Beyond, they do. Wow. Yep, so, so that just, this is a really, really cool little tip. Well, yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> our paladins aren't high enough. That's okay. Works yeah, in your favor. we weren't really <laughs> as high as we needed to be for there. Um, so... I thought that was a really good one and is a very clever way to use it. Uh, sure. The one I want to talk about is the reduce and enlarge spell. Um, if you don't know, this second level spell basically can let you reduce the target size in half in all dimensions and its weight by one eighth of normal. This reduction in size decreases, you know, it by one category. The light, the halfling, and most common halflings. Uh, are about three feet tall and weigh 30 to 35 pounds. So if you reduce them, you reduce them by uh, well within the weight limit of something such as um, Mage Mage Hand. So if you are a halfling wizard, you can reduce yourself and then use Mage Hand to float around long before you would get access to the fly spell. Like, that just is... So much fun, and it applies to other, uh, other, uh, you know, other creatures and, and stuff. And you can basically pick them up, and this little hand, just like a, one of those old video games, you just pick them up, move them wherever you want, giving you <laughs> access to uh, flight. And I just think that that is an awesome use of those two powers. <laughs> what level is in large reduce? Two. Okay. Second. Yeah. So you can get it really, really early. Mm-hmm. And of course, oh, yeah. Mage Hand's a cantrip, so yeah. um, this can work really, really well. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. Wow. All right, this one came from personal experience. Make them regret it. Eat metal. If an enemy creature grapples you and you're wearing metal armor, you can make them pay for it by casting heat metal. 
on yourself. Especially if you resist or even immune to fire damage. <laughs> yes. Um, did you do this with your uh, with your cleric or somebody else? My fourth domain cleric, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's awesome, because then you get them into a bear hug and they can't escape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, I, I really do like that. Um, obviously, it wor- works specifically if you're immune to Is the fourth domain cleric immune to fire? They eventually become immune to it, they get... but, they, but they resist a lot sooner. Yeah. So that's nice. So you can easily add that damage on top of whatever beatdown you're giving them while you got them grappled. I guess you could also <laughs> heat their armor, too, and just kind of toast them inside it, if they're well, grappled. Assume they even, well, that's assuming they're even wearing metal armor in the, right. in the first place. Uh, assume, yeah. And I think, that's the most, I think that's the most common use, is to heat their weapon, heat their armor... But I don't think I've, I don't know that I've seen anybody heat themselves and then just try to, you know, bear hug. Because heat metal will only target like one enemy, but mm-hmm. anybody that's attacking you is going to suffer the, uh, suffer the, the, the risk of the, uh, the heat metal, Burn. right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Level six. Resist fire. Level 17. Immune to fire. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. So. Okay. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our, our, uh, now eight alternative ways to use Dungeons yeah. and Dragons spells. If there's anything that we haven't uh, mentioned that you really loved, please let us know in the comments um, and tag us if you can. Uh, we really uh, enjoy these sorts of um, brain breakers, I guess, where you break away from the tradition of way it's supposed to work and change it up a little bit. Uh, before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks, I'd like to just take a moment to say Whitaker's Well of Wondrous Magic Items is now available in soft cover, an easy D100 table to randomly generate magic items for your fifth edition of the world's greatest role-playing game. That's Woo. D&D. Um, the soft cover <laughs> is available through DriveThruRPG right now. You can head on over to CritAcademy.com and grab it in our shop. Um... Thank you to everyone that keeps picking up our stuff so we can invest more money to make them, you know, PDFs and print. And <laughs> and you guys are awesome. We keep making more project products because you keep, you know, buying the, the stuff that we put out there. And we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, is a lot. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment. Where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our character concept today is Bullhide Steelfist. She is a bite stocky and dresses well, wearing black shirts, loose pants, and blazers most of the time. Her auburn hair is waving and long, and she has several tiny ruby earrings on each ear. Personality-wise, she has a, sh- a good heart, but also a terrible temper. And her Steelfist in the last name, I guess. She also will forgive often, <laughs> but not before yelling and bringing someone for whatever they have done wrong. She has a habit of throwing herself into exceedingly dangerous situations. As part of her history, she is a child of a sellsword who enjoy hunting. Bullhild has taken on many hunting expeditions herself. She was a friend to animals and a trickster. In her defense of animals, however, she would do severe harm to people. She now <laughs> mingles around in high society. That's an interesting clash. And her motivation <laughs> is money and treasure. And she is compelled to act according to her re- religious beliefs. <laughs> definitely a wild card um, with this one don't we have yeah oh and i think that's something that we get so caught up in the tropes of certain things that we kind of just stick with them and not think about you know mixing and matching uh different things so mm-hmm. the idea normally when you think somebody who's a lover of animals they're sweet and and kind 
But this person will backhand you. <laughs> with no, without hesitation. Uh, what do you think, Austin? I mean, sometimes animals do just like, I mean, you, a dog might like you, but, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that the humans have to. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> so, I don't know. I like it. I think it's, uh, it, it breaks the mold a little bit, and that doesn't happen all the time. So, that's, yeah. I like that. I, I like, like the little details, too. I like the... how this person is uh, relatively nice for the most part, but uh, you do something dumb and they'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes, I guess. Sometimes. Um, all right. I think that'll do it for our character concept. Uh, Bold-Heeled Steel Fist. Our monster variant of the episode is the Monk of Elements. I really had a lot of fun with this one. So the origin is you're going to start with the vampire spawn. The features you're going to drop are the regeneration, the spider climb, the vampire weaknesses, claws, bite, and multi-attack. We're going to give her a whole host of new features to fit this way of the elements kind of style of play. First, you're going to give them evasion. It, this means that if they're subjected to a dexterity saving throw to only take half damage, instead they take no damage and only half on a failed. That's dangerous. We're also going to give it innate spellcasting. Wisdom is its spellcasting modifier, DC 14 plus 5 to hit. Uh, the monk can innately cast the following spells requiring no components. All spells are cast at second level. Three times a day they can cast Burning Hands, Earth Tremor, and Snaring Strike, though you're going to reflavor that as water. Gust of wind, and of course, jump. Because, you know, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. They jump. A lot. (laughs) We're going to give it a rechargeable ability called Patient Defense. Uh, Recharges on a 5 or 6. The monk takes the dodge action as a bonus action. We are going to give it multi-attack for 3 attacks. 1 with its quarterstaff and 2 unarmed. Its quarterstaff does... uh, uh, 1d8 plus 4 bludgeoning damage. Its unarmed strikes do 1d6 plus 4. The other powers we're going to give it is reactions, deflect missiles. Guess what that does? It allows it to deflect the missile, reducing the damage by 11. If it does reduce the damage to 0, it can catch it and use its action, part of its action to throw it back. It deals 1d8 plus 3 piercing damage, and its range is 40 to 80 feet. Cool. What do you guys think about this little monk of elements that do, uh, way of the elements that doesn't suck? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it's a way of elements, monk that doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Great, uh, I like it. I mean, I could see this like uh, I could see this like being like uh, like an NPC like in like a monastery or something, right? Just kind of like right. doing things or kind of like living in the mountains, maybe even. I could see this. Absolutely. Ian? Well, as we already firmly established, it's the way of the elements monk that doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> We're really going to drive that point home. It's a way of elements monk that doesn't suck. Right, yeah. right. Um, I <laughs> it's really, an archetype we want to be awesome, but it isn't, unfortunately. <laughs> I like the versatility of it. Um, I mean, you've got the straight-up damage if you want to go with the Burning Hands mm-hmm. uh, attack. By the way, if you're going to play the Monk of the Elements, Burning Hands doesn't come out of your hands. Do like a karate kick or something. Something other than what the wizard's going to do, because it's just lame that way. Uh, think think uh, uh, Avatar, right? With the Fire oh, yeah. Nation people, you know? Uh, the Earth Tremor is really cool because it gives you a, a movement-impairing ability by knocking all the, the creatures uh, prone. 
which is great because it's all the creatures, not just one creature in a 10 foot. Mm -hmm. So I imagine them stomping on the ground and the whole area just shaking. Or you can get really fancy and they could hold up one finger and smash the single finger and then send a tremor out. That would be badass. Yeah. Of course, then you're, you're going to top it off with the uh, the water whip, the quote-unquote ensnaring strike that res- mm-hmm. uh, strikes movement entirely, and gust of wind that knocks things down, and the jump lets it jump really high. So overall, it's designed to be a very versatile uh, enemy, whether it's an ally, well, whether it's an ally or a, a, an enemy is up to you as the dungeon master, um, but it's simple, it's straightforward. It's really fun if you've got somebody who likes to use weaker ranged attacks. Because the idea of having the enemy just capture it and throw it back is Mm -hmm. something that doesn't happen enough. And I think more creatures need to have that feature aside from just the monks. Just my opinion. So, uh, do you guys have anything else on this? Weaker range attacks. I wonder if that takes into account the sneak attack from a range attack from a rogue. Uh, Uh, If they can see it, right? That's all that matters. Yeah, but usually... They won't catch it, though. Yeah, it it would have to be... It would have to be an unseen attacker, I think, for it to... I, uh, I can never well, it for, says it says I, in response to getting hit by a ranged weapon. So that's a good it, question. I don't know. I can never okay. figure out that interaction. <laughs> yeah, that's you. interesting. That's something to know. I mean, I would assume because if they're just getting hit by it, then right. yeah, that's the only thing that's that's the only restriction. So I don't know. Right, right. It's a good point. Uh, all right, uh, Austin, would you like to tell us about our encounter? Sure. So our lost or our lost encounter, our encounter ah. is a lost treasure. Uh, young Isabel de Grey, uh, a young female commoner, has dropped a precious trinket into a wishing well by mistake. When the characters stumble upon her at the well, or she goes in search of help, uh, they learn she has prayed to the fairy of the well. The locals believe the fairy to be a benevolent being, as tales say. Who those who make a wish upon the well may have it come true. That sounds like a gin. I don't like this. <laughs> uh, believing this, Isabel approached to make a wish, planning to toss a family coin in, but she slipped in a bar- barret uh, given to her by now, by her now past great grandmother, fell in. Excuse me. Upon her request, the fairy of the well makes a request of the young maiden. She must Did first. Do you not know what a barret was? No, I don't. That's okay, oh, though. We're going to skip past that, it. Okay. <laughs> I'm in the middle. <laughs> she must first seek out fresh mandrake root from the base of the waterfall to the west. A successful DC ni- er, 19, 17 nature check is required to harvest it correctly. A character proficient with the herbalism kit has advantage on this check. Should the harvesting fail, the mandrake root juice sprays into their eyes and suffers the effect of the sight rot in the DMG disease. Upon returning, the characters offer up the mandrake root into the well. Among completion, the fairy thanks the efforts of the maiden and her adventurers. The voice from the well calls out, Young maiden, do you wish to have your trinket returned to you? If so, then I have another request to make you. Greedy bastard. Yeah, of course. Uh, To the north of the lake that this well is connected there lives a dangerous beast it threatens me and my kin slay this beast and bring it back its tail as proof offer its tail to me and i'll return your trinket great <laughs> the beast in question is a okay plesiosaurus plesiosaurus <laughs> is it a leosaurus okay plesiosaurus plesiosaurus okay i don't know names apparently 
Uh, the characters must succeed in a DC 15 wisdom survival check to track and locate the beast. Upon returning, the fairy of the well makes a one last request. It asks for the maiden's hand. Appearing from the well is a small but well-dressed goblinoid Nelbok. <laughs> not a, not a, uh, not gin, a fairy. That been a, the gin would have been good, though. Uh, with crack, with cackling and laughing. If she declines, he takes the collection of the trinket and attempts to escape. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys think about this? I didn't expect the goblin at the end of this adventure. <laughs> Talk about a little gr- drifting action going on here. Oh, that's so oh, good. Oh, man. That's... Yeah. I, you know, I could have expected a fairy. I could have expected a djinn. Didn't expect a, a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> the Nilbog are in the uh, the uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters, and oh, yeah, they are sorry. little trickster bastards. Yep. And, uh... When I read that, I'm just like, okay, well, what can we do? <laughs> I could have also Keep expected them... a kobold. Yeah. Could have seen that, too. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but a no-bog I... definitely works. <laughs> the The nice little touch that I liked about this was uh, the harvesting of the mandrake root causes sight rot. If you don't know, that is a savage um, disease in the DMG that causes painful infections. Uh, within the eyes, and eventually leads the player going blind. Um, and it can only be removed by spells such as Lester, Lesser Restoration or Heal. So, oh boy, um, yeah, it's and it get it. What's weird is it like you only start with like a minus one of penalty, but at the end of a long rest, after the symptoms appear, the penalty worsens, and you have to continue to make saves until uh, and it gets progressively worse till. Uh, when it reaches a minus uh, five, the victim is blinded until their sight is restored enti- entirely. Um, so once you fail the save, you're boned. There's no, like, at the end of a rest, you get a save. Nope. Uh, you just have to so, get it taken care of quick. She's like, uh, sorry, dude, we can't, uh, we don't have enough money to pay for your blindness to be removed, and uh, we, uh, you're, you're slowing us down, man. <laughs> the uh, the fighter's going to take uh, blind fighting really quick. <laughs> uh overall do you guys have any other comments something you liked about it something you'd have seen done differently the plot twist at the end was kind of fun oh yeah i love the plot twist at the end i think that's probably the most exciting part is just the fact that oh nope it was goblin the whole time (laughs) (laughs) all right uh that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast a lost treasure (laughs) ian would you like to tell us about our magic item today our magic item today comes from midgard heroes handbook the Elkhorn Rod. It's a wand, rare, required to by a spellcaster. This rod is fashioned from an elk or reindeer horn. Ah, uh, side note, actually antlers, not horn. Uh, and it's marked by the elders' jizz rune. As an action, its wielder can grant a plus one on bo- saving throws against spells, a magical effects to the target touched by the wand, including him or herself. The bonus lasts for one r- round. If the Elkhorn Rod is held when performing the somatic components of Dispel Magic or Comparable stuff, it grants a plus one bonus on the caster spellcasting ability check. Hmm. Very cool. Yep, I like yeah. that. What did you say about antlers? Uh, basically, reindeer or elk don't have horns. They have antlers. <laughs> uh, according to thesaurus.com, horn is a synonym for antler. Suck it! I don't. I feel like there's more to it than that, but hey, I've also seen dictionaries called glaive swords. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, what do you guys think about this? It's Andy. I mean, anything that that uh, boost saving throws for magical effects, especially like dispel magic in this case, or comparable stuff. So I guess this could count as maybe with counter spell as well too. Actually, I could see someone arguing that. Ooh, yeah, I can I can okay. see that. This is a very like, from what I gather, a very utility based yeah. uh, kind of magic item, which I'm I'm a lot more uh, happy with. I, I'm not like. Yeah, cool. More damage out of your weapons is fun, but like getting like <laughs> additional stuff beyond that is is really where like the the item shines. And in this case, that would be the uh, when performing somatic component of dispel magic or comparable magic. I think that's really cool. I like that a yeah. lot. Yeah, little little subtle things like this. Um, the reason mm-hmm. I grab this is because I like uh, magic items that are flavor, but also help the character succeed. Kind of what you just said. Something that's just not outright damage, because as a player. There's nothing worse than casting a spell and then it just utterly not doing anything. Like, that is single-handedly one of the crappiest feelings as a player. I cast command! He shrugs it off. Doesn't even listen. You know, that's just kind of... I mean, obviously, the description of it makes a difference, too. You know, describing him kind of fighting and resisting it, it Mm -hmm. has a little more to it. But, man... Or, like, um, Blink, where you literally just fail. I think yes. there's like a like a fifty percent chance it just doesn't work at all. Yeah, <laughs> you just wasted like a third or fourth level spell slot, <laughs> right? For nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's, I always thought that was like really polarizing, and it's like, man, that just sucks. <laughs> it feels so bad. <laughs> the effect is great, but I mean, like, it's a yep. fifty. It's still a coin toss whether or not it works. So it's just ah, uh, right. Yeah. Yep. I looked it up. Horns are not antlers. <laughs> Uh, it's a synonym according to thesaurus.com it's wrong and and antlers are made from made from the same substance as bone well well, horns are made from the same substance as your fingernails oh okay I could see that's way more to it than that but I'm just gonna leave it at that moving on okay do you want me to take the dungeon master tip I'm just waiting for him to say suck it or do you want to take the Dungeon you, Master? You can, you can take it. <laughs> All right. Dungeon Master tip. Uh, Bardly.io. Written and mastered by our award-winning composer, our tracks are designed specifically for use in tabletop role-playing adventures. No awkward pauses or distracting sounds. Organize your music however you see fit. We offer a full customization for your playlists. You can even import your own tracks. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it offers an easy-to-use progressive web app that you can use any modern mobile device with. So, if anybody had watched our uh, one of our episodes of our um, initiative and intrigue that we recently uh, uh, that we had done, uh, there's music playing in the background. And at first, it's pretty common to have music playing in the background for D and D. But w- what was really cool is the way it's done is the players can open up a link and it plays in their browser separate from whatever the DM is doing. Um, so because of that, you can set your own levels. And um, that to me was, was a big deal because I've had a lot of games, especially online where I play it, what I think is nice, low and t- low, but other people it's too loud or they can't hear it. And mm-hmm. um, having it in one good quick place, that's not roll 20 was awesome because <laughs> normally i just have everything playing in the background through like roll 20 or something mm-hmm. um this gives another alternative and i thought it was really really well done okay. um 
So that's a pretty straightforward, uh, quick one. Definitely check out uh, Bardley.io sure. if you like to add uh, music to your, you know, D&D games and stuff. So there's uh in line with this actually there's even like if you search up like youtube videos of like these like hour long like uh i think there's one that's just like it just like marketplace effects or something like that where it's just like it's just people like talking and you hear like carriages being like rolled around and whatnot it's literally just like ambient noise of just like a town's place you can definitely do stuff like that too nice for sure all right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip, Bardley.io. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a, dick. a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by forcing your enemy to comply. So, it can be difficult to get an enemy to confess or share secrets with heroes. While special effects such as charm person and suggestion allow them to become allies and more willing to assist you, it isn't always enough. Now... Tossing up a Zone of Truth spell with any of these features will not only compel them to answer your questions, but now they must do so truthfully. Even the simple command spell becomes far more powerful when a question is asked in the Zone of Truth. While they may not be forced to reveal um, it with like the charm person or the suggestion by getting around it with you know half-truths, a simple word under the command spell comply can force even the most unwilling to reveal everything they know. Um, even if it will put their lives in danger. I don't know if you recall, but charm person in suggestion says they won't do anything that basically puts them in danger. Well, command the command does spell does not have, yes, it does not. Um, yeah. so in a situation like this, um, it instantly becomes more potent than the ones that most people use, even though it's under a single word. Mm-hmm. Um, Command is a powerful spell in general. I yeah, find no. lots of uses for that one. So, uh, I was gonna say, I think one time uh, with the command spell specifically, we were in the Avernus and we were doing that whole like Mad Max thing where we we're kind of like driving around doing a whole like like death race or whatever i told one of the guys in one of their vehicles i said jump and he was like shit (laughs) so he jumped and he went flying (laughs) that's funny that was pretty good i like command command's fun what do you think what do you think ian i like the interaction between the two of these and you can definitely get a lot of use out of it if you know what you're doing yes yeah and it's funny because um i feel like all the spells go out of their way to limit the 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 danger aspect, but with one word, the, I imagine Watsy's just like, "Oh, what can they do with one word?" <laughs> Have you? That's when players are like pulling up like the like the dictionary, and they're like, mm-hmm, "Does this work?" <laughs> comply is definitely a very very good one. I didn't ever um, think of the word comply. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> or surrender um, is a good one. Yeah, but that only lasts for like a second. Yeah, right? but they all last for like a second, technically. Yeah, technically, I suppose. But they can change their mind really quick. You can't undo information you shared. Although it's yeah. worth knowing that a lot of the spells in editions are nerfed compared to some past edition counterparts. So. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Um, do you guys have any other uh, points on this? Nope. Oh, this actually oh. went really well with our whole uh, alternative yeah. uses for... 
yep. <laughs> using spells. You can almost yeah. say it was on. Uh, it was on point, right? <laughs> it's on brand. We did it. Uh, all right, that'll do it for our show today. Before we close out today, as always, we have more fat loot to give away. Compliments of our generous sponsors. All right, our fat loot today is Tomb of the Twilight Queen from M.T. Black. Centuries ago, the Twilight Queen reigned over the most powerful empire in the world. But now her realm lies in ruins. Her people scattered, and her remains are buried in the grand tomb full of deadly traps and marvelous secrets. And I'm guessing not necessarily in that order. <laughs> a renowned scholar has hired you to enter the tomb in search of a feeble artifact. But you will need all of your courage and ingenuity, especially that one, to survive. <laughs> especially that one. Ingenuity. Gotta need it. And our winner today is Sea Desert Fox. And if you didn't win, not a problem. Head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win and find a bunch of other free stuff we give away. Yes, we do a lot of giveaways. Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um... So, uh, before we close out, I just want to give uh, 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 another uh, call to action or reminder. Um, if you're interested in checking out our upcoming Kickstarter, Capes and Crooks, um, it is going live on uh, June 29th. Um, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Capes and Crooks, and there's a little uh, paperwork you can subscribe to and get notified um, if it is something you want to support, please consider supporting within the first 24 hours, as that is the most critical for uh, um, algorithm purposes and helping us reach more people to ensure this is one of our biggest projects yet, because we're basically not making three books, the Monster Manual, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Player Book. We're putting it all into one, so it's going it's going to be big, including you know the setting stuff. So um, we'll take all the support we can get. If you've already got our memorable monsters... Um, you can expect the quality to even be above and beyond that. So I'm super excited. Yep. Uh, all right. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode. We'll be discussing the top five most versatile D&D classes. And if you enjoy the show and want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media. Uh, find us on YouTube. Our YouTube shorts are going great, I think. Yes. Pretty sure they still are. Uh, and feel free to leave us a, a review on iTunes. Even if you it's, don't have an iTunes account, it's really easy to go and make one. And if you give us a it's good free. review, it's great because it helps everything that we do. So, and it's free. It's all free. Reviews are free, and it helps us a lot. Yes. Yes. A little bit a long way. Yes. Uh, I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. I like that, uh... (laughs) Was it Andrew in the chat said, "Poop is a good one because who wants to fight with heavy pants? You just use the command spell to sell them to poop." <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I missed that. <laughs> 
I didn't want to say it on the show because I was like, ah, we're pretty past that point now. But I just couldn't. Yeah. I saw it. I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 